0: Good morning. It is uh, good to see you all this morning as as we come together and uh, good to see it. You know, I uh, was I knew we had lots of folks who were going to be out of town this morning. I didn't know that I'm going to have to come preach from over on this side no. today because uh, I'm looking at, like it's almost crickets between uh, between me and Cheryl back there. So, uh, but it is good to see you all this morning as we come together and uh, <laughs> one more over there. <laughs> I invite you this morning, if you would uh, join with me in our prayer as we begin our time of worship. Come Holy Spirit, come show us how we can be the spiritual heart of this community. Amen.
1: Let us pray. God among us, we gather in the name of your Son to learn love for one another. Turn our feet from evil paths, our hands from shameful deeds, our minds to your wisdom, and our hearts to your grace. Amen. And now it's time for our children's message, and Henley has a message just for them.
0: here so everyone can see
2: you. Okay. So here's the thing. Because I'm his mommy, I know him pretty well, right? You know, we spend a lot of time together. We do a lot of things together. I know him pretty well, probably better than anybody. Well, except maybe his daddy. He knows him pretty well, too, right? Yeah. All right. But sometimes, I wish I knew him even more. Like, I wish I knew what he was thinking. Because he's pretty little. He can't tell me what he's thinking a lot of times, can he? No. Because he doesn't know how to talk yet. You know, I might know...
0: So he screams really loud sometimes. He does scream
2: pretty loud sometimes, yeah, yeah. You know, I know things like what makes him laugh, and what his favorite foods are, and his favorite toys, and his favorite song. Like, sometimes if he's just really, really grouchy, Daddy will sing the ABCs to him, and calms him down. It just makes him so much happier. So I know things like that. There are other times when i my... What is making him grouchy? Or what does he want out? What is he thinking? You ever look at a baby and what? what's going on in his head? Because I don't know, because he can't tell you. Yeah. So there are times when I wonder what he is thinking, and so I don't, I don't know those kinds of things, and I wish sometimes he could tell me those things. But here's the thing: you know who knows Jack better than even I do?
1: Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. God knows him so well because there's, he has known Jack since before he was born. He's known everything about him. He's known everything about Jack since before he was born. He knew who his parents would be. He knew what he would like and what he wouldn't like. He'd know all the thoughts that are going on in his head right now that we don't know. He knows what he's staring at and what he's looking at. He knows all the things that Still haven't even happened to him yet. He, he knows the things that he'll do when he gets bigger. He knows the things that he'll like to do when he's your age. <sighs> things like his hobbies or if he's going to like to play video games or read books or stuff like that. Yes, like playing video games? Yeah. yeah. Yeah? I bet he will, too. So he'll know those kind of things. He already knows who Jack is going to be when he grows up, what he's going to like to do, what he's going to do for his job who his friends are going to be, what his family is going to look like, when he's an adult and bigger than you guys. God knows all of those things already. Everything that's going to happen in his life, he already knows all those things. And I like knowing that. I like knowing that God has everything planned out for him. He knows all the things that are going to happen. Because, you know what, that means he he also knows everything that's going to happen in my life. All the things that I'm gonna experience in my life, all the different questions that I have, things that I wonder about in my life, he already knows. So when I get worried about things and I'm like, okay God, what am I supposed to do here? I don't know what's going on. What's, you know, I get frustrated about something or I wonder about something or worried. I know that God's got it under control. He already knows exactly what's gonna happen. He said, and he, you know, when I pray, he tells me, don't worry about it. I've got it under control. I already know everything that's gonna happen, and you're gonna be fine. So I know that I don't have to worry, because God already knows. Well, pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. And the same thing is true for you guys. God already knows everything that's gonna happen. And so, just when you're in a pickle, when you're in a tough spot, Just think about that, okay? Think about, God's already got this under control. He already knows everything that's going to happen, and I'm going to be all right, because He's got me. All right? You want to say a prayer? All right, let's say a prayer. Repeat after me, all right? Say, God? God. Thank you for knowing everything about me. Thank you for knowing knowing everything about me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank Thank you for for taking care of me. Even Even when I don't know. Even
1: when I don't know. know. Amen.
0: Amen. All right. As we uh, come together this morning, I invite us to uh, share uh, uh, in this time of offering our joys and our concerns and and uh, all of those things that are going on. And, uh, I don't have too many in front of me this morning, but I'm sure you all probably do. Have any joys or concerns that you'd like to share this morning? But let's take this time uh, to give of ourselves to God. And then, when the music finishes, I'll offer a few words of prayer. And then, I'll invite you to join join with me in the Lord's prayer. Let us make our offerings today. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks as we come and we gather here today, as we gather for this time of worship. As we come together as a community of faith, as you have called us together to be your people. And it's not just that we gather for worship, but as you have called us together, we are the place where we can come and be with one another, share our experiences, share who we are, the good and the bad, where we can celebrate and rejoice, but where we can also support and encourage and help through all of the things that happen and take place. And so, Lord, we are grateful to be here together in this day. And as we do so, we lift up our worries and our concerns along with those things that we are thankful for. We lift up those who are getting ready to, to welcome new lives into families and the joy that comes with that, but also the sleepless nights and, and, uh, and, the, and the struggles of new ones trying to understand what they want and they need. Lord, we lift them up into your care. Yes. We lift up also those folks that are grieving and mourning the loss of those that they they love and they care about as now they're working to adjust to life in a new way. We lift up to you those folks that find themselves in places of needing healing and help and recovery to know that you are there and you can help them through and that you have surrounded them with others who can care and support them through these times. We lift up places close to home and far away where folks are hurting and struggling that need wisdom and support, that often need courage and strength to do what is needed to make changes that are necessary. Lord, be with them as they go and they do that work. Be also with those that are working to suffer, suffer, that are working to recover from having suffered through disasters, man-made and natural. Lord, there is so much that is going on around us that needs your care, that needs your presence. And Lord, we know that as we lift our prayers up that you call on us. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to know what you would have us do, that we may be your hands and feet in this world, that we may know what we can be, so that we may offer your love and your strength through our words and our actions and how we live our lives, that others will find you and know that you are present with them. All of this today, Lord, we lift up in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we commit all of this into your care through the words of the prayer that Christ taught us as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven,
1: for our scripture reading this morning. It comes from Matthew 18, six through nine. And this verse does nothing for Sunday school teacher recruitment. (laughs) As for whoever causes these little ones who believe in me to trip and fall into sin, it would be better for them to have a huge stone hung around their necks and be drowned in the bottom of the lake. How terrible it is for the world because of the things that cause people to trip and fall into sin. Such things have to happen, but how terrible it is for the person who causes those things to happen. If your hand or your foot causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It's better to enter into life crippled or lame than to be thrown into the eternal fire with two hands or two feet. If your eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better to enter into life with one eye than to be cast into burning hell with two eyes. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God.
0: God. This morning we are finishing up the Ten Commandments. We spent quite a bit of time this summer going going through them sometimes by themselves, sometimes in larger groups, and we are finishing in style this morning. We've got all of the coveting that you can handle and some of it that you wish you could. Uh, and so we've got it all there ready to go. And uh, so as we're looking, this is the this is the commandment that says, Thou shalt not cov- covet thy neighbor's donkey, house, wife, etc. You know, it's got this long list of stuff in there. And so I thought I should probably put a disclaimer at the start of this that says, uh, In my life, I have never, ever, 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 ever coveted my neighbor's donkey. <laughs> There's a follow-up question to that, which is, uh, well, why not? Never had a neighbor that's had a donkey. So uh, it makes it really hard to do that. Uh, We're finishing up, it's the very last one. I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of go back to the start of how we got here, because this is a really important commandment. I I see this one, it kind of fills in all of the gaps of the others, where the other 10, uh, they do some really big and important and powerful things, but this is the one that kind of takes all of that stuff in, it makes it really hard to find any wiggle room around any of this. Well, we take our first start at this, which is that we started this series out with a really big and powerful and important idea, which is that the Ten Commandments, um, let me make sure I get this right, uh, <laughs> the Ten Commandments were not written for everyone, but that they were written for people that were part of the community of faith. God didn't give us ten rules to be followed strictly at all costs. God gave them to us through Moses, knowing full well that it wasn't a matter of if we would break them, but when. The commandments are given to us as a way of living help shape our lives and guide our lives, showing us how to know when we've done wrong so that we can go through the process of confession and forgiveness and reconciliation so that those things can be overcome, so that we can grow and we can become more and better than we were before. He gives them to us to help us to start that process. The law in all of its fullness as we receive it from the Old Testament uh, starts with the Ten Commandments, but it doesn't end there. So much of the rest of that is helping us to understand what what those commandments say and then how to overcome them or how to overcome it when we break them and so when we get to the commandment that about coveting it begins to fill in some of those gaps in there continues to fill in and help us to understand how do we live together with one another how do we be god's people and how do we work through uh, this process and that becomes even more important as we get to jesus teachings out of Matthew 18, it uh, really is, it's like it's that last pimp, that commandment, only Jesus just uh, paraphrases a little bit and adds, uh, adds that kind of hard twist to there. Jesus uh, gives us these words, uh, and it really demonstrates for us the challenge that we find in this commandment and we find in his words. Go back to uh, verses 8 and 9. If your hand or your foot causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. It's better to enter into life crippled or lame than to be thrown into the eternal fire with two hands or two feet. If your eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better to enter into life with one eye than to be cast into a burning hell with two eyes. Jesus isn't mincing any words in here. And uh, it's okay to be honest here. How many of you, when reading this, begin to get really uncomfortable? Like I know, I do. Like It's like, I remember when I was starting to learn this as a kid, I'm like, ooh, this is, what? Well, I didn't quite know what to make of it when, uh, when I was younger. But this is, it's the Tenth Commandment, just in different words. Now, in the past, there have been uh, lots of different ways of trying to understand what it is that Jesus is saying here. And there's some, I think, that we can... That we can kind of wrap everything up into, and the first is to read these words that Jesus says here, and then to double down on them, to double down on their strength, and so and to preach them loudly and proudly. That if your eye causes you to sin, then you should tear it out with a rusty spoon, because that's if you're going to be loud and proud about about preaching this, you've got to add your own piece on there because Jesus' words aren't hard enough. Let's add another piece into that, and so that's that was kind of the, the way that I grew up in there. Uh, at least the way I was taught some in Sunday school, but also the way that then I would see other people preach that and teach that, because I grew up in the uh, televangelist age. So, I mean, there was lots of preaching on this all around. And uh, then it gets interpreted, and it's not just your hands and your feet, and your, but it's your eyes and what your eyes see, and that makes you think all sorts of things you shouldn't, and so then it moves into your thoughts. And, and we double down on that, but you can't even have wrong thoughts because that might cause you to sin and the whole thing becomes really hard and there's two responses to the uh to the doubling down that you can have one is to take the hear no evil see no evil speak no evil approach that says if i just keep my head down and my mouth shut then maybe i can avoid any of this stuff that's hard in every age to do but much less in the information age with the internet and social media. You know how hard it is to keep your head down and keep your mouth shut. And it's the one way that we have learned to try and deal with that. It, but it's not the way that most people do because most of us, we hear this and we hear we hear the impossibility of it. And whenever we hear things that are super impossible like this to follow, we say, well, that's impossible to do, so I'm just not going to worry about it. And so we've taken... The commandment. We've taken Jesus' words, and we're like those are the parts that we like to skip over because they're really hard, and we don't know what to do with them, and we don't get a lot of help, and so we say, oh, "We're just going to kind of back off from that and not pay any attention to it." Doubling down is one response to this. That's on one side. On the other side is uh, to say that, well, you know, Jesus was really, uh, well, he was just engaging in a form of extreme hyperbole. Uh, as he was saying these things, he never really meant for us to, uh, to, to do all of these things. And so, uh, and so, you know, we just say, well, you know, just try really, 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 really hard not to do this in the future. Jesus didn't really mean all the extremes of this. Um, and so we try to make the commandment in Jesus' words as passable as possible, which ultimately makes them mean nothing. And so we find ourselves in the exact same place in both ways of trying to take this passage that are that are the most common either one is either so strict that uh, uh, that we can't do anything that we just can't ever do it until we say it's impossible and we stop the other is so weak that we're just like eh it's really not all that important so we just don't give it any credit so what do we do? because we still have these passages here in Matthew 18 in other places in Matthew's gospel like Matthew chapter 5 and then we have the commandment itself uh, out of Exodus and out of Deuteronomy that we have to do. We have to begin to be able to take these seriously, but what do we do with them? On the one hand, I do think that uh, Jesus was engaging in a form of hyperbole to get our attention, um, and we know, um, and uh, uh, to get our attention to help us to see what it is that, uh, the danger that we can fall into. Because the sin that we're talking about here, it's the most dangerous one. It's the one that can lead us into all other sorts of sin, and that is coveting. But we have to begin to think through, well, what does that actually entail for us? So let's put all this together. Um, when we come down to it, we've got to know, well, what do we mean by covenant And here's one of those times when semantics are really important, where we really need to take some time to reflect on and to understand what we're doing. Because to follow the commandments means we have to be active in doing it. Now, this is a different kind of active than uh, in just treating them as rules. And if we're just treating them as rules and we're just looking to check all the boxes and make sure I haven't done all of these things, but we remember the story of the rich young ruler who came up to Jesus and said, well, Lord, I've kept all of the commandments. I've done all those things. And then Jesus says, well, go and sell half of all your possessions and give it to the poor. And he says, whoa, whoa, that's a ship too far there, Jesus. I can't, uh, I can't handle that one. <laughs> this is a different kind of act faith. Well, it's one that instead asks us to reflect on the things that we're doing. To ask ourselves why we're doing those things. Uh, to ask, is, is it right? Is it good? It, to ask ourselves, how do other people see the things that we're doing? Do they see them the same way that we do? Or do they see them differently? If they see them differently, does how does that work? How do we begin to put these things, these pieces together? Does it mean that, when I'm, that I'm doing things wrong? If someone sees it differently, or is there a bigger discussion we need to have? And it sounds like a lot of work to do that. And it is. But it's also the kind of work that we normally do. We normally go through our lives asking ourselves these questions. How are we doing? Why are we doing the things that we do? Sometimes we don't think about it, but if we're doing well, we are asking those questions. If we're not, then we're letting other people make those decisions for us. And we all kind of know how, what happens with that when we let other people try to answer those questions for us. It doesn't always go very well. And so it's better if we do it ourselves. Take an example of, uh, of coveting, and then the way that I was taught, because you've got to take it that next step farther, is that any stray thought that you have can cause you to sin, cause you to fall into sin, so you've got to keep control of all of your stray thoughts even. Some things haven't changed since I was that tall. I live in my head a lot, so I have lots of thoughts all the time, and I like to people watch. We spent part of yesterday at River Market in Kansas City. Now, it is not quite people of Walmart levels of watching people, but sometimes it can be close. And so there are lots of thoughts that go through your head. And so it becomes kind of a challenge to put all of these pieces together. And so if I were to follow that strict understanding that I, that, that I learned growing up, I would spend all of my time confessing of thoughts that I might have had, some of which I don't remember, but I'd be really worried about that all the time. The question we have to begin to answer for ourselves is, how many of those thoughts are just stray thoughts or just harmless daydreams, and how many of those are actually coveting? Let's go back to my neighbor with the non-existent donkey. Uh, you know, let's, uh, uh, let's say that non-existent donkey got out and it was over in my yard. and I had been looking at that donkey saying, you know, I could really use a donkey. I don't know what for. Emily would probably look at me really weird, but uh, say we had that donkey came in, He was in my yard, and I go, well, That donkey's in my yard now, and and, uh, uh, possession is nine-tenths of the law, so, you know, hey, you know, this could be my donkey now, right? Now, in reality, what I would do is I'd take him back over to my neighbor because it was not any, it it was just a fleeting thought, a daydream, not of anything of any importance. I'm like, no, I'm going to go give this donkey back to my neighbor. One, I don't know what you feed a donkey. Imaginary corn? I don't know what goes with that, but uh, it's, what we, but that's kind of how that works. Now, on the other hand, if I had taken that donkey and I looked at it and i see my neighbor over there and, and I think to myself, you know, there are a bunch of different ways I could get a hold of that donkey. I could, uh, you know, I could go up, uh, uh, let out the gate, he could get out, maybe i start having some thoughts about what I could, uh, how I could convince or confuse my neighbor about this and, and then we're starting to get into territory that is coveting That could lead me into into doing things that aren't right, that aren't good, that could cause harm to myself, could cause harm to my neighbor, could cause harm uh, to everyone that gets involved in that. That's all of a sudden, now we have gone into a place where this is where we are actually sinning, where we are beginning to covet, where it's no longer just a fleeting thought or a daydream, but now we've entered into a place where real problems can come. This is why following the commandments has to be active work. Because we have to know, is this something that actually could be covetous? Could be leading us into a place that we don't need to go, that if we follow this out, we could find ourselves in some trouble? Or is it just a flight of fancy? Take uh, as another example, has anyone ever daydreamed about winning the lottery? I mean, and I'm not talking just like scratch-off tickets where you win a couple of bucks and then cause everyone in Casey's to stand there for another 10 minutes while you get more tickets and scratch them off. I'm talking about the billion-dollar, mega-millions... Uh, jackpot and you're thinking Ooh, that could be fun you know but dreaming about that daydreaming about when you do that eh, that's not a problem now when I was a kid I was told that was kind of a problem but you know it's really not a big deal now if we go into the process of starting to spend lots of money on tickets uh, maybe harmful amounts of money or maybe we uh, do other things that start to, you know, cause family problems and that sort of thing. Now we've kind of we've entered into a bad place or maybe we just look at it and say, my odds of winning a Powerball are really small. It'd just be easier if I go rob a bank instead. Then we have definitely got into the, uh, the problem areas. But it's hard. This is hard work to do, because we have to know ourselves, we have to know our motives, and we have to be able to reflect on that honestly with ourselves and know what we're doing and why we're doing it. But it gets easier though, because we remember why the, or how the commandments were given to us. They aren't given to us just as ten rules to follow, and you either follow them or you don't, but they're given to us as a part of a community. A community that it's part of that job is to help us to understand those commandments help us understand how they come together and help us understand what it means to follow them. It's why in Jewish tradition they had what they called the Midrash, which was basically the entire community coming together and reflecting on how all the laws impacted their lives and what they do and how how then you work out when when you do break them. How you are reconciled to the community how you show your confession and how you show forgiveness and how you are reconciled back to build that healthy community uh, this is what we receive in following the commandments that we aren't on this all on our own that we are given uh, they're given to us as a part of a community that can help us to understand them and to help us to follow them and help us to recover when we break them and, uh, and even though it's active and it feels hard to do that, it's better than the alternative because we're sharing it with one another. And we know that we have a loving God that didn't set us up to fail. He didn't give us these commandments saying, well, if you fail, you know, uh, so that we could know if we failed, we failed in keeping him, but gave him to us and said, I know you are going to fail. We're just going to start there and know that that is going to be a thing. But here's how you can begin to learn and to overcome them. Also, he gave us the commandment so they could, so we could learn and grow and become more and overcome the things that happen. And as Christian people, we know this in a very real way because Christ has come to show us that, uh, to show us that in a way that hadn't ever happened before. And so we go out today knowing that we are going to covet. Whether it's our hands or feet our eyes our thoughts or whatever it is that we are going to covet, it's going to happen. Um, but we also know that God has given us what we need, so that we can figure we can figure that out, understand it, so that we can ask for, for we can uh, ask for forgiveness and we can receive it and we can find reconciliation and we can know that He sent His Son into the world so that all of those things can be overcome. And so let us go and be people of the commandments, not of rules, but of the way of life that God gives to us so that we can become more than we are now. Let us go and let us be these people in the name of the one that God sent into this world to make that possible. Let us do this in Christ's name. Amen.